stations please that'll be a penny love. thank you there is one radio station there can be only one there can be only one there can be only one that stands out from the crowd i want that one all right what is this thing it's river radio there can be only one one that's made entirely out of syrup Hello, welcome. It's Uncalled with River Radio. Yeah, and Brian and Gaff. And as always, coming up on today's show, we have got all sorts of things going on. We're diving in. It's gadgets today, isn't it, Gaff? It is gadgets. Gadgets, all sorts of gadgets. Um, after which, we'll be talking about. Now, this is a new one for me. Bakahala. <laughs> Bacchus. There we go. I knew it would begin with a B. Yeah, begins with a B, Bacchus. And um, and then, of course, we're going to be doing some matching. Food. 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 Cuisine. We're continuing on. No, well, maybe, I don't know, we could probably find some burgers that would work, keeping the theme of let's do lunch going. Yeah, you know, Sam and uh, SJ, they yeah. are having their burger tour. We could um, we could we could accompany them accompany them accompany, with uh, accompany, with with wine yeah, a compliment yeah fantastic um, but um, and then of course it will be ask Kath quiz oh, Kath. well no more importantly yeah for you I've got some surprises today or a surprise oh how exciting yes yeah, so you can do some tasting oh so it's lovely. quiz Brian quiz Kath. Excellent. Look forward so to it's that. It's not just me that's in the spotlight today. Okay. Right. Okay. So I'm going to have to be prepared and get ready for this. But um, before that, of course, we're going to uh, dive in. Dive in. Dive in to River Radio. So starting off then with our. Oh, there we go. second everybody it seems that we're having a few technical difficulties I think we're there. I think we're there. Yeah. So let's, um, well, you can 
done the fader, but just turn <laughs> just it off. Press, That's fair enough. Button, yeah. Yes. So um, gadgets. It's all about gadgets to start it's with, isn't it? Gadgets. We're diving into yes. gadgets now. It's all about gadgets. Weird gadgets. Then I mean, apart from a corkscrew and well, possibly uh, probably the most practical old school gadget there is is the corkscrew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's it. When you say it's a gadget, I always think of things which are just a bit of fun. Whereas a, <laughs> a corkscrew is kind of a necessity, isn't it's it? It's a necessity. Yes, it's a life necessity. You should all be given one when you turn eighteen. Yeah, I think so. Well, the first one, I think you own one of them. Oh, yeah. I really like. So, I mean, there is an, an eternal sea of gadgets out there, it seems. But these are the, our top picks. It's a wine aerator. Aerator? So, traditionally, to aerate your wine, <laughs> I'm chewing my words up too, you would decant it. But if you don't want to have to decant it, you can now get a little stopper that you stick in the top of your bottle. And loads of different brands make them. People like Le Creuset or different other wine brands. And you stick them in the top, and some of them do like cool things, like spinny things with your wine, and it then pours it. And so, basically, what that is doing, it is just—it's almost like um, it's almost like it's giving it an extra sort of splash, as it were. It's, it's, it's opening it up. It's opening so it's, it up. Yeah, yeah. It's serving the same function as when you swirl a wine. It's just opening it up sooner so that you can enjoy it. And if it's a young red, it'll help soften the tannins a little bit, and it just means it tastes better from the first glass. Really? I mean, you if you don't have a wine aerator, you can just whack it in a jug and then back in the bottle, and that will work too. Yeah. Now, I read somewhere with these uh, wine aerators that... Because uh, aerator is a bit of a posh word for me. I just called it a little spouty thing. Um, that these, actually, you can overdo it. So... There was a, there was a, I was, I, you know, I do do research for this. You might not realise, but do I do. do I do do, I do do do, do research. Um, and they were saying that after, I think it was something like 15 passes through the aerator. Yeah. The the wine lost all its character and, oh, really? and everything. Well, this is what they they said online. I mean, I mean, but then you've got to ask yourself, why would you do it 15 times? 15 passes, yes. So, so a standard bottle of wine usually has six glasses of wine in it, depending yeah. on how big. Normal size glasses, 125 mil, not massive glasses. So 15 is quite excessive, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, what they did, they poured it through the aerator and then they put it back in the bottle oh, and they put it through, through the aerator oh, again. Well, yeah, no, you wouldn't normally just pour it once, then drink it. That's and I right. think then it works fine. Yes, yes. So yeah, I think know. that's a bit extreme. You can overdo these things, can't you? Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want to risk test wasting my wine by doing that, it's fair to say. Yeah, quite right, too. Ooh, so do you know what num- number two is? Well, this number two is kind of two things together. That have been on the market and I've never used them, right? But I've heard good things, yeah. I've also heard skeptical things, and you've never used it. Well, no, as a master of wine, they're quite expensive. And one I don't of four hundred and sixteen in the entire world. So there's these two products. There's one called the Ulo Wine Purifier, right? And the other one is called they're, they're, they're the Pure Wine Wind Wands and Wave. Wind wands and waves. Is it you're talking Harry Potter? You've been watching Harry Potter. It does sound a bit Harry Potter. If I mentioned that to my children, especially my younger son, he'd be like, you've got to get one because it's a wand. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the Ulo basically claims to remove sulfites from your wine. Oh. And lots of people believe that they're sensitive to sulfites. Actually, sulfite intolerance is smaller than, you know, in terms of if you look at the statistics, it's not such a huge thing. Um, And it's a small, I suppose, half an egg shape and it has a filter in the top. So the big snag is, of course, you have to buy a spend a bit of money on the thing. Mm. But if you are, believe you're affected by sulfites and it means that you can drink wine and not have to buy wines, because the whole we maybe one day we'll talk about natural wines. It's a topic I tend to avoid, if I'm honest, um, because sometimes they taste a bit like cider. Natural wines? Yeah, wines that are made with no added sulfites. Okay, so are you, are you implying then by, by actual definition that the wines we have are unnatural? 
Well, like, that's why that's it's a, it's a category name, and she's another reason why I tend to avoid it. <laughs> you I hit see. the nail on the head there, Brian. I see. Um, but if you don't want to take the gamble of buying wines like that, in theory, you could pass it through your Ulo, and it will do a whole bottle. And then you have a wine that's had the sulfites naturally removed from it. So they claim you're tasting the wine as it should be. But I mean, as a winemaker's made it and added sulfur, there is, you could argue it tasted the way they wanted it to taste to start off with. But if you do have an intolerance that's specific, it, you know, it could be a game changer for you. I, I, I would question that. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> taking it through any filter, although you're targeting sulfates, yeah. is that not going to well, actually that's why do... I, w- I would love to be able to taste side by side. Yeah. So if anyone from Ulo is listening... Brian and I would happily we we would check do an, a, a live yeah. on air check out session yeah and then and the, especially the if you provide wine the wine as well pure what pure wine wand oh yeah or wave so it's um basically one is a filter and one is is a filter that you would pour a bottle through and it's like an aerator in the top that filters and the other one is like a wand you can use on a single serve basis which has like a little filter in the bottom which claims to both remove sulfites and histamine now histamine intolerance is something which is more widely acknowledged it's to do with um the overactive or underactive mast cells do you know what it's this actually, makes sense because yeah. um sometimes very occasionally if i have a red wine i'll mm-hmm. start sneezing yep and people when you flush and your capillaries yes. dilate or you feel bunged up or your nose runs you get headaches yeah it, people often put it down to being sulfur but very often it's to do with histamines now it's particularly anything that's fermented can have an issue with histamines. Anything that's aged can have histamines. It applies to food as well. And some foods are naturally higher in histamines. Alcohol, obviously, just about every form of alcohol will have higher histamines. But also things like avocados are naturally high in histamines, ripe bananas, cheeses, kombucha, fermented things like um, kimchi, that sort of thing. Kimchi? And lots of different fruits, some nuts. So, yeah, they can all affect people. So if, you, if you've got loads of unexplained symptoms, you, you get dermatitis, like you say, and it's not just... So our histamines have a function. Our body naturally produces them, and that's why you sneeze. It's trying to get rid of an allergen. So mm. itchy skin, sneezing, runny eyes, runny nose. It's your body actually doing its job to get rid of an allergen, which is why you have those symptoms when you have hay fever. Do you know what? I always thought I had hay fever. Maybe it's just the wine. No, I don't think it's the wine. No. Because <laughs> I'd have that all year <laughs> yeah, round, but, So they, they claim to get rid of... That they also claim that they can restore oxidised wine. So if you've got a bottle of wine and you think it might be getting a bit old, but you do want to finish it, they claim that you waggle your wand around in your glass and it will restore it, which is a big claim. Right. It is a big claim. I'd like to also so, try that out. Yes, no, I yeah. would. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely like to waggle my wand around. But in they, the they've <laughs> obviously had to do tests on people. So if you do have a histamine issue and you still want to be able to drink wine, then this could be... The way forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is literally on a, on a little filter yeah, thing like on the a, end of yeah, a stick. It looks like a little, uh, yeah, metal frame with a little thing, and the the, the the aerator looks just like an aerator, but it's got the same filter in, it, I guess, and the wine moves through it, so you just whack it in the bottle. But the problem with all these things is you obviously lots of them are single use, and you have to replace the filters, so there is a cost involved. Yeah. A single use. But if it means you can enjoy a glass of wine when you couldn't normally, that could be life-changing. Quality of life, Brian. It's all about quality, not quantity. Well, yes, of course, of course, but depending on how much these filters <laughs> cost, cost, we well, could just exactly. buy another bottle of wine, couldn't we? Yeah. And my next gadget is also quite expensive. Oh, right, okay. But this one has changed my life. This okay. one oh, I right. use every week. What is it? It's called a Coravan. Uh, uh, um, I never went Coravanning. Okay, (laughs) exactly. Take a Coravan with your caravan. (laughs) So a Coravan is basically a medical-grade form of technology. It was created by someone who worked in medical instruments. 
mm-hmm. was his job. In fact, there's a bit of a story behind him as well. And it allows you, using it's basically got a big, thick, rather terrifying-look hypodermic needle, and on the back a small canister, a capsule where you put a canister of argon. Yeah. And you basically insert the needle straight through the cork. They actually have attachments as well for screw caps as well. And you can then, when you squeeze, you like have a gun-like trigger that allows you to at that, press the wine to release it and pour it. But as it releases, it replaces the wine with argon. So there's no risk of oxidation. So it preserves your wine. So if you want to just enjoy a single glass ah. and don't want the temptation of having to go through the process of, you know, you can use just a glass if you want to taste a wine to see how it's doing in your cellar. And if you're tasting a lot of wines like I have to sometimes for work, yeah. it's a hard life, <laughs> then I don't have to open 24 bottles, I can just use a Coravan. So although you have to buy the canisters to replace the argon, it's a lot cheaper than tipping loads of wine down the sink, which is quite a painful thing to do. Yes, no, no, that would be dreadful. Yeah, dreadful. So it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And they use them a lot now in restaurants, particularly high-end restaurants, to allow people to drink really good wines by the glass, which normally you wouldn't want to open a bottle if only one person was going to, or two people, because you don't want to waste them because of the cost and the value. Yeah. But now they can because of the Coravan. Okay. How long have these been about? Well, quite a few years now. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a really clever piece of tech. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's, that's helpful. Good, good, good. Um, anything else? Well, my <laughs> another one. It's um, the Vinenko wine cooler stick set. So you've got a, a wine cooling stick mm-hmm. and an aerator all in one. A narrator? Aerator. Oh, aerator. Sorry. Aerator <laughs> all in one. So basically, it, it, you know the, the things that you put in the freezer to keep your picnics cold? Yeah. And they've got like a gel inside them that... Okay. So it's basically like a frozen aerator, basically. Um, Sort of, yeah, but the centre part is what you stick into the bottle so it cools it from the inside out and it quickly chills in the fridge. If you you haven't chilled a bottle, they'll take about an hour to two hours, I think, to chill down in the fridge. Mm. You then screw the aerator attachment onto the the freezer frozen part. You insert the frozen part into the centre of the wine bottle and it fills the length of a wine bottle. And pretty quickly it will cool it so you can then pour your cooled wine. So if you're out and about having a picnic, yeah. you don't want cans or you don't have cans and you yeah. want your wine to stay, stay cold, more importantly, while you actually drink it, then it will help keep it cold. That's super. I was always told, and I don't know if this is true, mm-hmm. but I, I was told somewhere that um, if you've got a bottle of white wine and you haven't put it in the fridge, you should never actually just chuck it in the freezer for half an hour because apparently it's too harsh or it does something to the wine. Doesn't this, this frozen aerator business do the same thing? Well, I don't know. I've stuck things in the freezer. It's just important you remember. Okay, it might have been that, actually. It, yeah, it, can, it can end in tears. <laughs> yeah. The next day you yeah. open the fridge and there's a, there's a fountain of, of, of yeah, wine. Yeah, especially if you do it with sparkling wine and it just explodes and with the pressure you end up with loads of frozen foam. Mm. Mm. That could be... Oh, that's a whole new thing for ice cream, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I could have just come up with something there. You could have done. But, exactly. Yeah. Sort of... Sparkling wine sorbet. And so my last one is stupid. It's really stupid. And yeah. it would never work for me because I'm not musical. But Firebox make a musical wine glass. And what they've done is they've marked along the side of the glass all the different notes dependent on the height of the wine. <laughs> so if you've got a set of them, you can pour them at different levels and play a tune with your <laughs> finger on top of the glass. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Which is it. ridiculous. And yeah. yeah, but it could be quite good fun if you're tuneful. Yeah. No, yeah. you can just sort of repeat it. I, do you know what? I've got a um, gadget for you. It, true or false? This was going to be uh, one of your challenge things, but um, I'll do it now. Uh, true or false? The wine clip. Now, this claims to use magnets around the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the like a little cover that you clip over the the spout of the bottle. Yeah, yeah, and it's got magnets around it, and they say that 
that what it does is it makes the wine smell and taste better, makes it, it mouth drying tannins smoother, um, and um, it converts the wine using the idea that passing a conductive fluid through the property designed magnetic field has an effect on the polar molecules in the fluid. What do you think about that? I'd like to try it out, but I'm not convinced. I think it's a bit of a gimmick, actually. I do as well. Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. we are having a few uh, issues on the, oh, the tech. We're I'm, having I'm, fun today. Do you know what? I'm glad you're running the desk, because oh. I can just sit here and watch you <laughs> try to do things. Um, I think you just need to log back into that, don't you? Well, I'm just seeing, yeah, it is the right password, because I didn't know if it had the same password as the other one. Gosh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, wow, everything's gone, every, the screen's gone blank. <laughs> so that, that was the wine clip. Well, I imagine someone has invented it, so it exists. Whether or not it works, I'd, again, be curious to taste. Yeah, Try. it would. I don't think there there's was any... There was someone s- that had, like, a plate they claimed you could put your wine on, and it would sort of d- accelerate the ageing at one point, and I was always slightly sceptical of that. That sounds like... Yeah. Madness, doesn't it? Yes. But it's almost like those, you know... Sneakers Fish had another word in your head, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually just sort of quickly looking at your wrists to make sure you haven't got one of those magnetic bands on that sometimes people wear. To, what do they do with that? It's supposed to clear their blood or something. Oh, I, I have don't know. no idea. I think There's the travel sickness ones. What do they do? They're the same. They're magnets, aren't they? I reckon these magnets are basically the same thing. Anyway. <laughs> well. There you go. Gadgets. Yeah, cleans your wine. Yeah. Can I say? <laughs> and on that note, yeah. we should head to some music. Yeah, what we, what we got? What we got? What we got? I think we're going to go with Wine in the Afternoon by Franz Ferdinand. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So this is summer And the coward gas Is running low But I don't mind I'm doing things and doing them Drinking wine, oh I've been drinking wine in the afternoon. 
are ten a penny. Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station. There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one. That stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely out of syrup. Well, welcome back. Hopefully you, hopefully you enjoyed listening to some Franz Ferdinand wine in the afternoon, which I have to confess, Brian and I were both doing some wine in the afternoon. We were, well, while we you were listening. Were, you were getting the samples ready. I was getting the samples ready, yes. And How Brian exciting. had a sneaky pre-taste slash sniff. Yeah. 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 But now it's time for heading off the beat track. We are, aren't we? Yeah. And today we're going to Germany. Well, well, mostly England, a little bit German. Yeah. Oh, oh we're, right. We're, we're, can, there's can... a couple of beaten tracks we're heading down today, in fact, because okay. we're going to be looking at Bacchus. Now, this is new to me, Bacchus. I haven't heard of Bacchus before. Bacchus. No. So Bacchus it's brand new. Well, Bacchus, it's named after the god of wine, the Roman god of wine specifically. And so the Roman god of wine is Bacchus, but the Greek god of wine is Dionysus. Okay, right. Yeah. So, yeah, he's quite yeah, he's quite important in sort of Roman and Greek mythology. He's the one that sort of started the party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also... It was a. It was made. It was named given to a great variety that's a crossing that was created in the 1930s in Germany. More seriously, and so it's a blend or a crossing of Silvana with Müller-Thurgau and Riesling, which are all sort of indigenous German grape varieties. Or you see them in. Um, we see them all across actually Europe, but particularly in Germany. And they created Bacchus as a grape variety. It wasn't actually legal until the 70s to use it in commercial wine production in Germany, and it didn't come to the UK until 73. 
Why, why was it not legal? I mean, because it was a new grape, and they were deciding whether or not it was probably good enough quality to make commercial wine. They, they have to go through trials and things. Really? Yeah, and or sometimes people are a bit dismissive. You know, it's a crossing. We don't yeah. want to. But most <laughs> most grape varieties often have been crossings either accidentally or or deliberately. But yeah, it was created by um, a guy called Peter Morio and Professor Husfeld in 1933. And I guess what well, I don't know, people like that make crossings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we said about Zinfandel was Plavich Mali and another Croatian grape variety of the parentage. So in essence, that's a crossing. Yeah. But it isn't one that necessarily happened in a laboratory. It was one that happened naturally in the vineyard. You would think that can happen. they would just let the, the, the commercial capitalist sort of market yeah. decide rather well, than... Well, in a regulated wine industry where you've got certain things, great, particularly sort of if you think about Europe... Mm. Um, you, you go somewhere like Burgundy, you've got specific grape varieties that are permitted for production for the Appellation Controle wines. And so anything that's made outside of those regulations would not fall under the Appellation Controle. And the same thing basically happened with, with Bacchus. Yeah. But it headed over here. Now, in, in Germany, it often makes slightly boring wines. And we obviously think of Germany as quite cool as a climate, not dissimilar to ours. And in some ways, that, that is the case. But their summers can be... Scorchio hot. Scorchio. Yes. And they've got lots of slate, and that slate reflects back, and you've got like a giant radiator. And so often Bacchus, if it was produced, produces wines with a lot less um, acidity. So it felt less precise and probably not as good a wine as it does weirdly, where our slightly damp, where it's quite tolerant to the, the humidity that we have in this country, and also our slightly cool climate, it's a match made in heaven. So we're, it's doing very well over here then? Yeah. Yeah. Bacca. Bacchus. Bacchus. Yeah. Where can we get it? You can get it all over the place. So it's actually planted quite widely. Um, you'll see it planted. We, you can find it around our neck of the woods here, Berkshire, Thames Valley Way, because this is the voice of the Thames Valley. Well, Radio. It, we are, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you'll find it around here, but you'll also see it planted in East Anglia, so across Essex, Suffolk and Norfolk. And they, it actually does really well there. There are some brilliant guys who produce really good Bacchus there. Um, also you'll see it produced down in the West Country where it seems to do quite well potentially even down Cornwall, Devonway as well Okay. Um, Sussex, Kent so all over the place you'll see it being planted and it seems to be very successful so stylistically yes, what are we getting for our buck? okay, so usually what you want is some quite fresh acidity sort of zesty, lively wine um, they, they're, they're down at Furley actually in Dorset they make a Fumé Blanc style so it's put into wood and it's very successful um, but mostly it's an unoaked style of wine. It's quite aromatic. So some people will say it's usually like a Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, But sometimes I like it's it also, depending where it's been made, the nature of the vintage, and I suppose how they've tended the vineyards, it can be a little bit more like Albarino or Muscat or Riesling even. So sometimes it's more floral. Sometimes it's more peachy, sometimes it's more gooseberry fruit and mineral. So, This is why it's so difficult, isn't it, when, yeah. when it comes to actually wine tasting? Because every grape variety, depending on how, where it's grown, how yeah, it's... It can be slightly made, different. There's all these different things that can actually come through and, and throw you off track. Yeah, which is why blind tasting is so hard. And is, that, <laughs> is that why you've got this in front of me now? Yeah, so what I want you to do, <laughs> so Brian has an ISO glass yeah. with a smidgen of white wine in it. Yeah. And so, I'd like you to taste it and say whether you think it's a Sauvignon or a Bacchus. Oh, right. So, you've got a choice of two. Yeah. Mm. Well, the first thing I do get is, I I thought when I smelt it, was the gooseberries. And that's classic sort of um, 
Uh, Sauvignon. 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 Sauvignon's characteristics are things like leafy characteristics, so blackcurrant leaf, tomato leaf, gooseberries, elderflower. So you sometimes can get a floral on it, as well as then when it gets in warmer climates, those tropical fruits, things like passion fruit. Mm. Yeah. So, mm, yes, I might... uh, mm. And just do me um, the, the, the Bacchus again. What, um, what, are the, what are the things I'm looking for in a Bacchus? Well, similar things, potentially. Well, that's, dude, make it easy. My first <laughs> test, my first live on-air test. Well, taste it and tell me what you think you can taste, and we can narrow it down from there. So you've got the sort of that gooseberry character. Oh, look at you, such a pro. <laughs> yep. There's a bit of acidity there, yep, isn't there? Nice acidity. Yeah, because yeah. it's making my uh, mm-hmm. and I'm getting there. Yeah, mm, so you've got so big tick for acidity, which was what we, we do get in Bacchus here. But we know also that's a characteristic of Sauvignon. But does it feel as big on your palate as Sauvignon? Does it feel like it a really doesn't full body actually? Wine? Yeah, it doesn't feel as big as obvious. I would yeah. say as as what I might expect from a Sauvignon. It's a little bit more subtle. Yes. than a Sauvignon. So, yeah, it's not as in-your-face aromatically, although the nose is very pungent, the palate feels a little bit more. You said mineral earlier, and you were quite yeah, accurate Yeah, it's that. minerally. Yeah, I get quite a lot of elderflower as well as the gooseberry on this. Sort of an elderflower character. What have I done? I've made a monster. <laughs> mm. So I have to um, just, just explain what all that funny slurping sound was. Oh, it's it's amazing how that acid really makes your yeah. mouth water, doesn't it? Yeah. But no, what I'm doing is is I'm drawing air. I'm basically making my mouth into an aerator. You are exactly. You are a wine gadget on legs. I'm a wine Who gadget knew? in the living flesh. Yeah. My mouth is an aerator, and I'm aerating the wine to uh, release all the aromas, yeah. to re- release all those flavors, so I get a a better sense of all that that quality. Um, and yeah, there, there, there is that mineral. Yeah, oh, it's very nice. I'm going to go then, because we are talking about Bacchus, I'm going to go for that, yeah. because I reckon that's what shall it I, is. Shall I do a reveal? Yeah, do a reveal. Dun, dun, dun. And Brian is right. It is. Yeah. Oh, wow, look so at this that. Is ch- we're tasting the Chapel Down Bacchus 2020, so last vintage, last year. Yeah. Made probably as we were heading into a lockdown. Yeah. So there you go. And where are they based? They are based... Southeast England is what they helpfully say here. No, they're based in Kent. Okay, so they yeah. are on that, that seam of like chalky. Yeah, you have a mixture of clay as well in, in Kent and places. But Bacchus okay. seems to do, it does do really well on sort of the, the Sussex, Hampshire chalk. It really does do well there. Mm. But also clay-rich granite limestone that you get in the West Country. Um, but also that East Anglian soil where you've got clay and loam and, and a bit more sand through the Thames Valley. So it seems to fare well on on all different soils so yeah and i mean you said um that it sort of sometimes is similar in a way to a, a riesling yeah so you can you can get on this at just a hint of florality that starts to come through so when we first poured it it, it was genuinely really pungently smelling of gooseberries mm. then after it sat in the glass for a while a little bit more elderflower came through and when it becomes more like a riesling you get a little bit more peachy fruit than gooseberry but you get a bit more florality Oh, if it's okay. a Bacchus that's going to sit like that. Sometimes it can be really quite grapey in character and the florals are there as well and then it nods a little bit more towards a muscat. But if it's from a really ripe vintage or it's grown in soils that 
So you've got a, probably a bit more granite and things involved in those soils, potentially. You might get something that nods a little bit more to a fresh style of Albarino, which we've talked about before. Yeah. So you do get a little bit more stone fruit, sort of peach, apricot, those kind of characteristics as well. So it, it sits, sits within a spectrum, that, and it's usually aromatic, but stylistically, I'd say this one is pretty bang on for what the majority you'd find in the shops actually tastes like. Yeah. And I think it's a brilliant, brilliant alternative to Sauvignon. It really is. I mean, yeah. it, it, it definitely is something that I would yeah, happily so drink. I, so I don't drink huge amounts of Sauvignon unless I'm matching it very specifically with food. And it's a personal preference thing. And But I will happily drink this because it's not quite so in my face. It feels a little bit more controlled and that gooseberry is balanced a little bit more and usually the alcohol is a little bit tamer as well so it's 12 and a half which is nice it's not too high in alcohol yeah yeah and, and how much would uh, the chapel down um baracus be <laughs> baracus like ba baracus the a team of english grapes <laughs> um oh they usually sit you can usually start to pick them up between 12 and say 16 17 pounds they sort of sit in that ballpark and you'll find things like chapel down they're widely stocked which is why i chose chapel down for you today but there's so many brilliant growers so i do think chapel down's brilliant um i also really love flint vineyards in norfolk they make a most phenomenal that bacchus but you try all the different ones because places all over lime bay down in devon there's loads of producers of bacchus in the uk mm-hmm and I do think we're doing a good job with it because this is proper wine. It is. Oh, without oh, a shadow of a doubt. This, this yeah. Very, very nice as well. And, you know, starting off at that 11, 12 mark and then sort of going upwards, um, you again, we, we spoke about this last week, didn't we? You just give the winemaker that extra, mm-hmm. you know, rather than giving them 25p and say, right, fill my bottle yeah. full of nice wine, you give them a couple of quid yeah. and they can really come up with something really quite special. And this is, this is good enough. Like, you know, this wine genuinely, I feel, is good enough to go into a tasting of wines from anywhere in the world and hold its own. And that's very exciting because it's from here. Yeah. Would they ever make a sparkling version of that? It's interesting, actually, because I think there are some, but it's a bit of a controversial thing because oh. I think people are starting to make wines using the Charmat method. Now, we did say we'd do a revisit on sparkling wine, so using the tank method, which is a method used for something like Prosecco, would suit something like this more because it's an aromatic grape. You traditional method wines that have been fermented and bottled with lots of lees aging it will help it will basically probably start to disguise and hide that beautiful aromatic character that we get from this wine Uh um so it would probably benefit more from being made of the tank method and so i wouldn't be surprised if there are some people starting to experiment because we're starting to see some english tank method wines emerging when you say the tank method is that more like the uh, the soda stream method the soda stream, no 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 that's a carbonation <laughs> method oh okay this is with the secondary fermentation happening happening in a sealed pressurized tank as opposed to in a bottle okay um but the length of that fermentation and the care that's taken during that fermentation um will dictate quality so it's not lesser quality but it is a more cost effective way to make wine but it's actually far more suited to aromatic varieties so if you get a sect from germany or somewhere or austria which is a sparkling wine from that neck of the woods and they're often made with riesling they're very often made using the same method because riesling's an aromatic variety and you don't want it to spend that long on its lees in a in a bottle basically so, so there are people who do make them successfully with traditional method but yeah. uh, uh, so just so it's clear in my head sorry yeah. this is that's uh, right. this is dumb that, so that the longer you leave it on the lees and that's again the you impart flavor to it from the yeast lees and that then just covers all the lovely natural aromatic flavors and of the actual grape yeah. itself and sometimes it it actually works and it's 
counterintuitive, but it's why some of those aromatic varieties often benefit from not seeing too much or any new wood. So older wood or stainless steel is usually a preferred fermentation method because you want, you want to taste those characteristics. You don't want to hide them with anything else. Sure. Yeah. 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 And just uh, just going back as well, the the lees again. That's the byproduct of the fermentation. Yeah. So it's basically dead yeast cells. Dead yeast cells. Yeah. And the process whereby it's left on its lees or surly, which is what you'll see sometimes on labels from France. Surly. Yeah. So it's basically on the lees, is a process where where it starts to impart flavour is called yeast autolysis. And so people will often refer to something like a champagne having an autolytic character, and you think, what the hell does that mean? And it's basically another way of saying it tastes yeasty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, um, well, great. I mean, the, the next question then is, uh, you know, we're coming up to find out what, what are we going to have it with? Now, this is going to be um, the menu matching section, which uh, we're yeah, coming up yeah. to uh, after the next song. Exactly. But this is going to be tricky because, you know, there is a bit... Originally from Germany, but all over yeah, I know, the you UK. See, I keep throwing curveballs at you for your, your basics of food and wine matching. I keep going, actually, there's loads of exceptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, loads of exceptions, yeah. isn't there? And, and bearing in mind what um, uh, Sam and SJ were talking about, all those burgers and the new Wendy's that's opened. Yeah. That's British, you know, I suppose. So Wendy's. Wendy's and Chapel Down. Isn't it funny why they're square burgers? I, I, a square bun. Do you know what? I don't suppose it makes any difference. I suppose it's just a bit, yeah. I suppose it's a point of difference. It's a USP, Brian. It is. You've got to embrace these things. It really, really is. (laughs) Well, we're going to find out after the next track whether or not um, the uh, BA Baracus, I mean uh, Bacchus wine, will go with uh, Wendy's. I I think probably not. I'm sure we'll find something a little bit more special. I'm sure we can think of something. We'll, We'll definitely talk about which crisps it will go well with. I know, that's for sure. Of course. Okay, that's coming up right after this.
So that was The Verve, and you were listening to on Bittersweet Symphony, which is probably my most tenuous link, but you're listening to The Voice of the Thames Valley, River Radio, with Brian and Kath on Uncorked. The Voice of the Thames Valley, River Radio. I think I like it. Uh, you give one quick twitch, and the thing is done. And we're back. We are back. We're back. We're back with off. No, we're not. No, we're we're not. on Menu match, aren't we? Oh, listen to that sound. Yes. Oh. Reminds me of... Do you know what that reminds me of, Kath? Chapel down. <laughs> Baracus. On a hot... It's going to be Baracus now for me forever. It is. It is. <laughs> what, what is it? We used to call Pinot Grigio. We used to abbreviate to pig. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got Baracus and pig. <laughs> Baracus and pig. Bacchus. 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 Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So just imagine... Sitting on the banks of the Thames. Yeah, sun shining. Along the Thames Valley on a beautiful day like today. A couple of scullers going down under the bridge. A couple of weir. scullers. Yeah, maybe a few swans. Maybe. Yeah, or duck or two. Yes. Yeah, glass of that. Bit of Bacchus. Sun shining. You did it! <laughs> I did it! Oh yes, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Living along the Thames Valley. <laughs> it is. Come on now, Thames Valley. Chocks away, tally-ho. Backers. Now, yeah. what can we? Um, if we were on a picnic, let's start there. So let's we're on. There. We're on the side of the Thames. Let's say we're in Windsor. Okay, very nice. Good choice. Very nice. Yeah, and, and it's a love Henley even. Or it could be on Henley on yeah. Thames. Or it could be the regatta. <gasps> and we've got our backers. Yeah. And we brought a little picnic. What should we have packed, Kath? Well, obviously, you'd need your wine cooling thing. We, we would. We'd, yeah, get the gadgets. We'd get gad- get your gadget out first. Yep. <laughs> and attach that because well, that's essential. Yep. Um, what would you what would you have with it? Well, a, a, a prawn cocktail crisp. I have to mention the crisps. The crisps are the first thing. <laughs> the first I was thing waiting. That you would go for. I was really waiting. <laughs> the first thing you grab when yeah. you sit down for your picnic. So a prawn cocktail crisp. I think a prawn cocktail crisp would work quite nicely with this. Do you remember when we actually did our crisp and wine tasting for real and Sauvignon? Blanc. Blanc actually worked well with salt and vinegar, didn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, that was a curveball that was it a surprise. Was. And actually, uh, this could probably work too. Yeah, I think so. So salt and vinegar possibly, or um, prawn cocktail crisps. But you could apply that to your sandwich as well, couldn't you? If you're having a sandwich. What, crisp sandwich? Well, if you, if, you, if you wish, if you wish. I'm not going to lie. 
as a youth, I quite enjoyed a crisp sandwich. Every you now had and a again. crisp sandwich. Yeah. Oh. So I may have done that more than once. <laughs> but no, I was thinking something like a nice crab salad sandwich. Oh, now now you're talking, yes. aren't you? Crab yeah. salad. Smoked salmon. Lovely. And actually even smoked salmon cream cheese bagel. I think the acidity in this would cut through that richness, the oily fish and the cheese, and it would be quite a lovely combination. Okay. Yeah. And and with the smoked salmon, would would it would it work with the smoked salmon, do you think? I think so, as long as it's not overly smoked, a sort yeah. of lighter style, I think it would be very nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is is almost then um you know, that classic that I sort of, when I originally started doing the show with you, it was <laughs> white wine fish. Yeah, um, actually, but but yes. actually, this one does lend itself well to... Yeah, I think seafood as well as white fish, grilled fish, but lightly smoked fish. So things like smoked haddock, if it's lightly smoked, I think could work really nicely with this as well. Yeah. yeah. And if you're having a barbecue, we were talking about barbecues a lot last week. With Zinfandel mm. goes with barbecue, yeah. sort of little fan of barbecues there, wasn't it? Yeah. The Zinfandel. Um, having a, 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 a like a, a fish-based barbecue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This would go this down would be, Yeah, with grilled, I mean, trout or even white fish, you could do sort of sole or place, especially if you do it, with, you do it on papillette, so inside the paper, with herbs because the herby sort of that cut grass character it almost has in the gooseberries with sort of some nice fresh herbs and some lemon it would be delicious on pepette on papiette on papiette do you know what whenever <laughs> i'm barbecuing i must admit i i you can't just do wrap a, it up in foil if you do want you know what i can't do a barbecue unless it's on papiette yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly but actually if you are stuck there is a rule of thumb you can use with okay bacchus. so if you have a bacchus like this which is quite akin to a, a lighter style of Sauvignon Blanc or yeah. an old world Sauvignon, then you can apply the same rules. And so it's incredibly useful for a couple of things which are, quite frankly, very difficult to match wine with. And that's asparagus in season now. Amazing with this. Absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Ooh. And tomatoes. So those sort of things that can sometimes be quite tricky with your food and wine matching. Bacchus is absolutely brilliant. Is it really? Yeah, so just some griddled asparagus. Why is asparagus, why is that tricky? Is it just because it it's such a unique... A, yes, it's a unique flavour and it works brilliantly well with things like Sauvignon and Grunewald Lina, but also things like Bacchus step into the breach as well. So nice, fresh asparagus. Um, goat's cheese, which is always a classic match with the Sauvignon Blanc. The two work brilliantly together. Do they? I'm not a big fan yeah. of goat's cheese, though. You need to... Yeah, well, you find some, there are some really good ones. And it is that slightly sour character matched with that fruitiness and that minerality, and it works really, really well. So, yeah. Do you reckon... I mean, I'm not a, a, like a cheese connoisseur, as you've probably guessed, um, you know, liking Monster yes. Munch and uh, Skips and things mm. like that. But do you reckon um, uh, it would go with, like, a Dairy Lee triangle? I think Dairy Lee, white bread, prawn cocktail crisp. Match made in heaven. Do you know what? I mean, I was joking around a bit, but if, you know, you can always find something. It doesn't matter what your yeah. budget, what your taste, what anything. You don't have to be no. lardy-dar about this, do you? No, it's what makes you happy. Ultimately, what you choose to drink and what you choose to eat, you, yeah, what you eat should make you happy. Yeah. And ultimately, if you wanted to have this with a big rack of lamb, go for it. <laughs> it's my view but it does go particularly well with something so classic sort of risotto primavera which is a, a risotto that's usually made traditionally around the veneto and the in venice mm -hmm. in springtime so it's primavera which is spring and it's usually made with peas so those sort of things with parmesan and peas those sort of very simple sort of risottos and i say again maybe something like asparagus or broad beans those sort of green flavors 
work brilliantly with this as well. And any richness that you would get in something like a risotto, it would cut through really well. Yeah. But yeah. we talked about salmon before, any salmon. So you can have a poached or grilled salmon or pan fried will work brilliantly. Yeah. So chicken, chicken Caesar oh, salad. Oh, go with ch- chicken as well. Yeah. 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 So your white, your white meats or even sort of, yeah, those sort of things, it works well. But I do think it's a really good veggie wine. So it's really good with vegetables. So mm-hmm. roasted vegetables, spring vegetables, those sort of things, things like Bacchus and Sauvignon and Grinner work really well. So it lends itself to those sort of things as well. You wouldn't want to, um, I'm guessing, I don't know, I could be totally wrong here, but um, I was only th- I'm thinking this because last night I ha- uh, had roast chicken and uh, I just bunged in like a load of uh, peri-peri and spicy bits and yeah. garlic and stuff like that. So and it's it was delicious. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And just had that with loads of salad. My God, yum. Do you reckon it would go with that? See, I think it actually would. Do you? Do you would cut yeah. through that, that yeah. spicy sort of... I think, you know, my more automatic reaction would be a Grinner or a Riesling. But actually, if you had that in the fridge and you fancied a glass with it, I think it would surprise you. It'd probably work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. You might have to do a rerun tonight. Well, I might. Yeah, because yeah. there's a few leftovers in the fridge. Exactly. Try Perfect. it. Try it when I get home. Try it when you get back. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so it does go with lots of... It goes with lots of things. Some people say avoid things like mayonnaise and things that are richer, but I think actually that acidity will help balance and cut through the richness that something like mayonnaise can bring to a dish. So experiment, that's my advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but if you're really stumped, look at what you would classically have with Sauvignon and you can usually... Good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, yeah, so to, but start off, I mean, if you want to get something, you know, uh, fishy, barbecued fish, light fish, anything with any sort of herbs that would complement yeah. the, uh, the green tones in this. Uh, and then once you've done that, then experiment. Yeah. Have a go. Have a go. You might find, like we did, salt and vinegar, Chris, Sauvignon Blanc, is a match made in heaven. It blew us all away. Tariq was here that day. It blew us all away. Tariq from the... The Fat Duck. The Fat Duck. Yeah. Right? One of the top restaurants in not only the Thames Valley, but probably the world. Yep. I'm just saying that. Um, hoping to get a free ticket. Uh, well, but, it is. It is, without a shadow of a doubt. But it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and he, I, think, I think my suggestion pleasantly surprised him. Well, I don't know if it was pleasant, but he's, he surprised him. <laughs> surprised him either way. No, no, he's a good, he's a good sport, that, that chap. So, is. yeah, it he's is. a very good sport. But, yeah, I, my advice is change, change things up a bit. Try different things, but definitely try Bacchus. Right, we will. Um, go out and get it. Go and try Bacchus and get it on the, uh, the, the, the bank of the Thames with your picnic, yep. your, your prawn cocktail and crisp... <laughs> you can't get away from the crisps combination you genuinely can't get away I from the crisps can't, i really can't. can't do you know what if i have a sandwich now i'm just going i need a crisp with this crisp sandwich is nice crisp. Be better with crisps it's a contrast yeah it's, it's a the soft mushy and the crunchiness and the crunchiness someone thought that up it does work oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah anyway uh, look at the time time is going on it must be that time nearly to uh, to challenge, who do we challenge? Who is it? Who is it again? Who do you challenge? I can't imagine. Who, who do we challenge? Who do we challenge? It's Challenge Kath. In a world where questions need an answer, one person is here to answer those questions that need the answering of questions that we have to be answered. It's challenge, Kath. Okay, Kath, so, all right, enough of that oh, nonsense. Man, go on, then. Right, so, um, you know me, I'm a bit obsessed with the whole poisoning thing. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. The then. thing is, yeah, and it is slightly concerning. You passed the same thing on to me now, and I've become slightly obsessed. I saw my parents for the first time in ages at the weekend. Yep. Turns out my mother is now also obsessed with the poisoning thing. So shout out, mum. Yeah. yeah. Well played. She, was, we, she said we didn't have enough wine in the glasses to check if it was poisoned. Yeah, was like, quite right. Ryan will be pleased. Okay. Yeah, I will be. No, because it's important. And I'll tell you why it's important. No, no, you're going to tell me why it's important. This, I'm, trying to, I'm struggling to find a question out of this because it's an interesting fact more than a question. But um, I'm going to turn it into a question. Um, what was the thing that the Romans used to actually... uh, It was an additive that they used in wine and they thought that it made it taste a little bit sweeter, it preserved the wine and it made it last a lot longer, but it was actually poisoning them, which might be why all of this, you know, uh, good health, guest drinks first, because, you know, this is where the obsession with poison came from. Oh, good Lord. But what was it they used, Kath? What was it? What was it? What could it be? It'd be something... Oh, I'm trying to think of good poisons now. Good poisons, apart poison. from the bad poisons. <laughs> More effective poisons. <laughs> People are going to get worried about our poison knowledge soon. Oh, I don't know. I know they used to put olive oil on top of the amphora where the wine was because they realised that the air couldn't get through and it didn't oxidise as fast, which I thought was quite clever. Did they really? Yeah, and people can do oh. that now. So if you make pesto at home and you pour olive oil over the top and put the jar in the fridge, it keeps for longer. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course it would, wouldn't it? It's yeah, so it just so sort of sits like on a top. Seal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm thinking arsenic, because we seem to have a predisposition to veer back to arsenic, but then I think maybe something like belladonna or something like that. What else would Romans get their hands on? Well, a bit more obvious than that. Water. No, water. <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing with my water <laughs> bottle. Just, was giving me a, hopefully giving me a hint there. No, 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 just no, leads me a, down the red herring. That was a red herring altogether. I was just twiddling my <laughs> water bottle. <laughs> I was like, water? Isn't that supposed to be okay? Well, actually, no, probably it's safer to drink wine. Yeah. They did that in sieges as well. So in siege situations, the Romans gave all the soldiers their water with a wine half and half because alcohol kills most known pathogens. And you had less illness if well. than if they were just drinking water because obviously it wasn't purified like it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But that's me digressing because I don't know the answer. Okay, so you, we weren't, I mean, arsenic, I mean, it's a, it's a poison. It was actually, what they used to use was lead. They used to mix oh lead my goodness. into the wine. Um, it says here that it gives it a succulent texture... A sweet taste, and it preserved the wine for longer. But unfortunately, after a while, they discovered that they were getting chronic lead poisoning. Funnily enough. And um, <laughs> some, some historians actually said that they thought this may well have been why the Roman Empire declined. Because, well, yeah, well, it would make sense. Because they're all slowly killing dying themselves. And debil- mm-hmm. Imagine how awful they felt. The more successful they got, the more wine they drank, the more wine they got, drank, the more lead they were consuming. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because you know it. that capsules over wine bottles used to traditionally be lead because the the cork weevils wouldn't eat through it. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so there was a practical reason for that. It helped preserve your corks for longer when the wines were in the cellar. So, again, because by then we might have figured out that lead was indeed a poison. Yeah, it's not great. Don't no, not not too much lead. Not too much. Let's avoid too much heavy metals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not great. I'm just stirring that into your wine. How would they add it to the wine? I do you know what? I didn't research it that much, if I'm honest. I'm curious. You know what I'm going to be doing when I get back home? I'm going to be look. Googling. I should be doing some work. I'm going to go back and Google. <laughs> How did they add lead to wine? Maybe they put it in a vessel or stirred it around. Maybe they had one of those things you're talking about, one of those uh, wands. Yeah. 
the with Roman a little, version. Yeah. Little lead filter. This is not, the gadgets aren't new. The Romans had them. They did. There we are. There What's we coming go. up on next week's show then, Kath? What can we well, look forward to? We talked about it a little bit this week when we were yeah. talking about Bacchus and chalk. So I thought, why don't we talk about chalk? Because it's brilliant in a vineyard. Some yeah. of the best wines in the world are grown on chalk. But too much can be fatal. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's funny then because you think the chalk would be, would, there'd be nothing there for the, for the vines to mm. feed on. There's no nutrients. Yeah. It's just chalk. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be interesting. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And um, have we got a wine in mind? Well, I'm going to go Hereth. We're going to go down to Hereth in Spain ah. and look at Sherry. Oh, yes. Now, sherry's a massive topic, isn't it? Because there's all mm. sorts of um, different types of sherry, isn't there? Yeah. And the way they actually make it in the Solero process. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. That's yeah. going to be an interesting show. If only I was around next Thursday at <laughs> one o'clock to listen to Uncorked or here on River Radio. Exactly. With Kath and Brian to, yeah. to learn all about. Jerez and Jerez. Sherry. And I thought you'd quite like to go back to Spain, given oh, you yeah. speak Spanish and all that and you live there. Lo hablo un poquito. Exactly. So that, that, that's the plan. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, have a great week, everybody. Um, we'll be back uh, we same time next week. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow we... It's a Friday. It's a Friday, which is We've always the morning good. morning brew. Kicking off with the morning brew. Gemma's in um, with up next tomorrow. And then the weekend ahead here on River Radio, we've got loads of music style shows. Check out the website, river.radio. Check it out on Alexa. Go on your mobile, on web. You'll find us. Voice of the Thames Valley. We'll see you next time. In a world where radio stations are ten a penny... Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, love. Thank you. There is one radio station... There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one that stands out from the crowd. I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. One that's made entirely. Would you lie with me and just forget the